As you guys may or may not know, taking care of your teeth is pretty important. And our friends over at Green Mountain Dental Group are actually giving away a free Sonicare toothbrush when you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam. That's right. You simply have to take care of your teeth for Green Mountain Dental Group to hand over a free Sonicare. Check them out today online or call 303-988-0711 to schedule your appointment today. What's going on, guys? Welcome into the DNVR Nuggets podcast on a Monday. Harrison Wind and Brendan Vote here. We are presented today by Illegal Pete's. Really pumped to have Illegal Pete's as the presenting sponsor of this podcast. Just another great Colorado brand that we are now aligned with. And on today's show, talking about this Nuggets loss from over the weekend, Denver Falls 128-114 in D.C. Brendan you recovered from this one yet? Dude, that was as unfun as the Michael Porter Jr. game in Indiana was fun. That was terrible. It was so hard to watch. And I don't I think if you're a Nuggets fan, you really just want to flush that one. But one thing I want to talk about today, man, is can you? Can you just flush that loss? The G League Wizards, not a good team to begin with. That's a really bad one. Yeah, just as this team has managed to capture momentum this season, it seems like they let it go of the rope like just as quickly. Um, like going back to uh, Christmas Day, Denver was on, what was it, a seven-game win streak? Right, yep. They lose at home against the Pelicans. And then they get that great win over the Pacers, one of their best road wins of the year. Like Pacers are a really good team, tough place to play. Porter has the career night, all the excitement that comes with that. And then they lay an egg in uh, D.C. They find a way to lose momentum pretty quickly. Yeah, and now they've got a game with Atlanta coming up, and that, that brings my my thoughts back to the loss to Atlanta in Denver, which was another one that maybe not as much a momentum killer, but just another brutal loss. And I, I think by my count now, Harrison, that's, that's twice to New Orleans, one to Atlanta, one to Washington. They blew the game in sacks. I think that's I've got five games now that you really look at and think that's a legitimately ugly loss on this resume. Yeah, and for me, there have been a couple bad ones. You never want to lose to a team like the Pelicans twice. Um, but even the Pelicans, I think, had a significantly better team that night and trotted out significantly right. better talent than this Wizards team. I mean, this Wizards team was bad. Uh, missing Brad Beal, missing Davis Bertans, who always kills the Nuggets, they haven't been playing good basketball. I mean, they just signed Gary Payton out of the G League, and, and he started in the backcourt next to <laughs> Isaiah Thomas in this game. Like, Andre Pachesniks, that, that guy who Philly drafted in the first round and cut ties with, like, a year or two later, played 22 minutes. We'll get into Ish Smith and whatnot. I mean, Isaac Bonga. <laughs> like, oh, man. This was a Garrison Matthews, who I didn't even know was in the league until a couple <laughs> weeks ago. This was as bad of a roster top to bottom as you're going to see an NBA team put out on the court this season. But kind of as you have alluded to, we, we've seen team we've seen this Nuggets team played down to its competition this year. And that's been a, a theme that it felt like they erased last year, but has definitely been front and center this season. And as you were saying, as we before we started recording, teams have 
losses like this. Really good teams have losses like this, but like how many is too many? Right. I know. And on that same day, on Saturday, I think the Clippers lost to Memphis by almost 30 at home, right? So that was a good reminder that, like, hey, we do operate in these bubbles as media and fan bases. It happens around the league. But, yeah, I think your question is the operative one. How many is too many? That Washington one kind of felt like the last straw on the camel's back to me, to the point where you have to acknowledge what's an issue with this team. They're not good enough to simply choose to not show up, it feels like. There's no way you lose to that Washington team. You're too good. You're three times as good as that team, but only Jamal Murray came to play. Why does that happen? I mean, this team's been so motivated for Michael Malone under most of his tenure. This team has cleared so many hurdles and worked so hard to get to this tier. Why now are they sort of kicking their feet up and playing down so often? And and is that a mark of a team that's not ready to compete? You know, I'm not sure if it's a mark of a team that's not ready to compete in, say, a playoff setting come April. But I do think it's a mark of a team. And it's funny because I think internally this was a fear that the Nuggets had heading into this season. And it's something that they even talked about at Media Day that because of the success they had in the playoffs last year, maybe that sense of urgency wasn't going to be there as much during the regular season. They spoke about that at Media Day. That's true. Michael Malone said it's like an actual thing that we have to fight against this year. We have to battle it, and we have to battle ourselves against it. And I have to think that a lot of these losses to to bad teams like the Pelicans games, the Hawks loss, this Wizards loss, and then just some of the games, like think back to that Knicks game or or just – you know, some of the really bad opponents Denver has played where they've ultimately grinded out these ugly wins. I really do believe that some of it comes from the fact of, all right, the Nuggets, they got to the playoffs last year for two questions. For two years, they faced questions about when is this team going to get to the postseason? They finally did. And they experienced what that feeling was like playing in the playoffs. They realized, all right, this is what actually matters in this league. The regular season doesn't matter. It's just about what happens when you get to the playoffs. And that kind of mindset has stayed with them throughout this season a little bit. And I have to think, you know, this is just me speculating, but I have to think this team is just kind of looking ahead to the playoffs right now. They shouldn't be, but that, that feels like what's going on. You're right. It absolutely does feel that way. But I just wonder if, you know, when they get to the to the playoffs, regardless of their seed, or their opponents outside of that first round, I conceive of them being viewed as underdogs in virtually any of those matchups. And can an underdog have that mentality? I know they play up, but like the, the, one of the things about last season's team, you know, it just felt like they were ready to compete every single night and, and really ready to bring it and really like almost naive to the, to the stakes behind each game in a Definitely. way that I think helped them in a way that made them better. And so I just... It, does this team have a switch, right? I mean, they're good enough, but if you're just moping around, meandering around in the regular season, I know they're winning games, but like, does that kind of stall? Like, you got to get this plane off the runway before the playoffs start. You have to know who you are, and you have to be clicking on all cylinders. So these types of losses, you're right, man. It's just one across 82, but in the moment, it really feels like it's an issue. Yeah, last year, that was a good point you brought up. Night in, night out, no matter who the opponent was, they had just this like junkyard dog mentality where where they were just going to approach every game like 
they were playing the best team in the league and, and like every game was a do or die game 82 like the one in Minnesota a couple years back that's just not there this year and I think part of that is just the natural life cycle of a team like the Nuggets who was fighting to get to the playoffs and did and now has to just grind and fight against human nature to get back there so I think part of it's natural but but part of it is uh, something they need to get out of it and something they've got to just kind of overcome here over the next couple months, I think. Part of that game <clears throat> is part of what went wrong in that game is what looks to be a mini trend, and that is a somewhat moody Nikola Jokic, who we talked on this pod about in general this season, particularly in December, the way he sort of emerged from a dark place, an unhappy place, as a willing leader, you know, a guy who was who was kind of ready to keep his chin up no matter what. These last three games, they've gone away from Jokic ball. He's looked particularly frustrating, uh, frustrated. I'm curious if you see that too, um, why you think that is, and, and to what extent that affects this team. Yeah, I've seen that a little more over the last couple games as of late. Definitely saw it in this Wizards game. I mean, what was it? He was trying to throw a pass in the first quarter right before he was subbed out by Mason Plumlee. And he actually had a pretty decent open to this game in the first quarter, if I remember correctly. And uh, just kind of trudged back to the bench, head down, and uh, just did not give off really good vibes at that moment. And yeah, has just seemed just not in his the typical rhythm that he's been in uh, over really largely the last couple months here. Particularly in that Washington game, I don't know what's behind it. Um, the offense has been great, you know, putting up huge numbers uh, over like their past 12, 13 games. They have the best offense in the league. Um, but yeah, I- I'm not sure. He just hasn't had that same fire, it seems, over these last couple. And he does. He checks out. You know, he's so good. Even a checked out Jokic, a, a B Jokic, will win you games. But. It's almost like, all right, if if he passes it to a spot where he expects a teammate to be and they're not, or he turns it over, or he expects a call and he doesn't get one, there are times, not always, but there are times where it's like, all right, that's it. We've lost Jokic for the night. And this felt like one of those times. Um, only four of ten, but off to a decent start. And it just, like, I remember that three he took in the fourth. I mean, the game was probably lost by then, but it was just one of those old threes from the start to the season like a resignation three, like a screw it, this isn't going to happen anyway. And I don't know, there was, it seems like just a week ago, um, we were seeing him, you know, really, really take control and and take over when they needed him to. So I'm not going to say I'm concerned yet, but it, it, two, maybe three games in a row where that demeanor has, has trended down. Yeah, I'm not concerned by any means, just because he's been so good here really over the last couple of months. And We've talked about this a lot on this pod, but we definitely felt like he flipped a switch after that Lakers game and, and just kind of like rededicated rededicated himself, got maybe a little bit of a new routine and just really looked like a more focused guy. And yeah, I, I don't think over these last couple of games he, he's been that. You know, it's tough to keep that up for sure. It's tough to keep that up over, you know, a couple months stretch. Um, but yeah, he's got to get back to that and definitely got to get back to that Monday in Atlanta because if the Nuggets don't bring their air game, they're probably going to get beat by this Hawks team. So we'll see. A big part of that is they're just, 
inability to contain guards right now. I mean, I even Gary struggled in that Washington game. Uh, turnstiles out there. The Bart Barton too. I mean, it was it was Troy Brown Jr. It was Ish Smith. It was Isaac Bonga. Um, I think often people will watch this team and see guards in the paint at will, dump off passes to centers for open dunks. They see the lack of a rim protector. This is true. This is the case. But that is an issue that can be mitigated and is not uh, at times on this roster because um, Denver's guards don't penetrate themselves and, and, and on their worst nights, they, they really can't stop anyone. And that, that was it was brutal to watch in Washington. Yeah, definitely. The, I mean, the dribble penetration, the lack of containment by Denver's guards was a huge storyline. I want to get into Ish Smith's night and kind of what you were talking about there with the defense. Uh, first, though, got to talk about Strawberry Sky from Breck Brewing. That's the beer we're talking about on today's podcast. Definitely one of our favorites from Breck Brew. We've always got Strawberry Sky uh, stocked in the office, and I think we're doing maybe a post game show tonight. After the Nuggets and Hawks matchup. So be sure to tune into that. And uh, yeah, we'll probably be drinking Strawberry Sky uh, during the game. We've always got them stocked in the office. But make sure to check out Strawberry Sky from Breck Brewing at your liquor store, at your local bar. A great beer for any occasion. Strawberry Sky from Breck Brew. Also, got to tell you guys about our friends over at Mile High Green Cross. These guys offer an experience that you won't forget. Mile High Green Cross has award-winning products. Check out this year's Cannabis Cup winning products when you head to their website. Right now, they're giving the DNVR family $5 off your purchase of $25 or more. All you got to do is mention this ad. Mile High Green Cross offers a variety of CBD products from edibles to concentrates to cartridges. They pride themselves on their customer service and it shows. Every single time you pop in, you will receive one-on-one attention from one of their seasoned sales associates. Not to mention they have everyday low prices on in-house products like $99 pre-packed ounces, V3 hash oil, bulk deals. You can get five cartridges for $100. Mile High Green Cross offers outdoor pricing. What they advertise is what you pay. If you don't have any cash, that's fine. Mile High Green Cross now accepts hyper. And what's even better is the amount of time you spend in the dispensary On average, from the time you walk in, from the time you walk out, is only nine minutes. I know that's super important for me in my hectic and crazy life. Head downtown today and check out Mile High Green Cross, conveniently located at 9th and Broadway with parking in the back. And remember, if you mention this ad, you can receive $5 off your purchase of $25 or more. Back here on the DNVR Nuggets podcast, presented by the one and only Illegal Pete's. Hell yeah. Harrison Wind and Brendan Vote here, recapping this Nuggets loss to the Wizards 128 114 over the weekend. Denver in Atlanta, trying to get revenge on Trey Young and the Hawks tonight. But flashing back to this Wizards game, and, and Brendan, what you were saying there before the break, Denver's inability to prevent dribble penetration has been a little bit of a storyline over like the last three years really and I think it's faded a bit this year right and got covered up a bit just because Gary Harris has been so good defensively um but even at times I think back to that Brooklyn Nets game when Spencer did what he was getting into the paint like yeah. whenever he wanted we've seen it uh, time and time again this year still 
And against this Wizards game, against this Wizards team, I mean, Ish Smith was the story in this game. He goes for 32 points, 15 of 24 from the field. <laughs> I mean, hit one mid-range jumper after another. He got wherever he wanted on the floor, and Denver had no answer for him. It's it's concerning. And, you know, one thing about Gary, and I'm not, not trying to put it all on him by any means, clearly the best, you know, perimeter defender on the team, but not a big guy. And he struggles with some of those bigger, quicker guys sometimes. Um, Jamal, I think his effort's been so much better this year, but still, man, the total package is, a, a, I think, a guy who's a little too easy to score on, a little too easy to just blow right past. Um, when it, Ish Smith is quick, but... It does kind of feel like when it's is, is Smith giving you 32 off the bench, it's a matter of pride and effort, and, and there's something that can be done here. Um, so I don't want to, like, it's weird because you don't want to dog Gary because he's done such a good job. Tough to dog Jamal, who was the only guy who brought it in that game. But the de- uh, that defense just isn't good enough. And without the, as good as Barton's been, without true size on the on the wing, um, and, and with a, without a real rim protector in Jokic, Millsap, who doesn't jump very high as good of a help defender he is, the guards have to be better or the whole thing falls apart. And I think that's been a part of the defensive slide of late. Oh yeah. The defensive slide is real. Um, they've been terrible defensively as the offense has really just taken off up, up the charts like Denver is up to the eighth best offense in the league right now they've got the best offense over really like the last month uh, defensively this team has been a top really five defense the entire year well they're all all the way down to 11th in defense right Man. now that drop was quick that was quick and um you know when it comes to this Wizards game and their inability to stop Ish Smith like Ish Smith is not a big guard like Dinwiddie, but he's kind of one of those small guards like a J.J. Barea who's kind of given the Nuggets problems over the past and, and in recent years and just kind of those small, crafty guards who can just kind of get Quick. into the teeth of the defense. Yeah. yeah. And um, he gave Denver so much trouble. They could not keep him in front of him. Got to the mid-range. Got all the way to the hoop, too. Like, that was, that was the thing. He killed him from mid-range, but... You know, in a sense, you're like, all right, you know, we'll pick our poison there. Yeah. We'll live with Ishmith killing us from mid range. He got all the way to the hoop a lot. Yeah. He got all the way to the rim. And uh, so it was just, it was a mess the entire night. The, I mean, the inability to stop dribble penetration, though, it's a big problem because it's going to hurt the Nuggets in the playoffs. It hurt the Nuggets in the playoffs last year in the first round of the series where Derek White drove by the Nuggets time and time again, almost. Ended that series after two games oh, because man. Denver just couldn't stop him. The Nuggets switched Gary Harris onto him, and obviously uh, the rest is history. The Nuggets come back in that series in a large part due to that coaching move. Um, but it, it's going to kill the Nuggets in the playoffs again. I can guarantee you if they can't stop dribble penetration. Yeah, and I'm 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 officially worried about the defense and moreover their sort of inability to. It's look. It's this team. I think more than any in the league, kind of speaks to how difficult it is to crack top ten in both and maintain that. And there's yeah. a reason why there's only a handful of teams in the league each year that can. Um, it's it's been give and take, hasn't it? Like they really, really can't get both working at the same time at an elite level. Um, and that because that's very, very hard to do. But I'm worried about the D. I think so much of that was focus and effort. 
right? It's not like they changed personnel. Guys were just playing harder. That's really hard to maintain across 82. So, um, yeah, you're, I think it's going to be an issue. And it, when I watched that game, too, it wasn't just the defense. To me, the juxtaposition is stark. The Nuggets don't have quick guards, talented guards, scoring guards, but guys that just blow past you, break you down, get into the paint and force the defense to collapse. You just don't see a lot of that. And so far, as good as the offense has been over this, this, these last 10 games or whatever, um, I noticed that too, you know, that they just, they don't have any, any didn't Woody types. Although wouldn't every team like to. Oh yeah. Who wouldn't? Um, but yeah, as you were saying, there's been pretty two distinct sections to this nugget season. Denver went 14 and eight over its first 22 games. They had the 22nd best offense. Their offense really struggled over the first 22 games of the year, but they had the second rank defense since Denver's gone 10 and three with the league's top offense, but the 26th ranked defense. So you're right. They have not been able to get both on the same page. Uh, They have not been able to find that balance, that balance that championship caliber teams have with, you know, a, a steady top 10 offense and a steady top 10 defense. Yeah, it's, it's tough, man. I, I'm, I'm. This game really put me in. It kind of pushed me to the limit in so far as like, all right, how do you let one game affect your evaluation? Because the truth is, being a basketball fan or media member covering any team for any two games, it's tough. You're gonna see a lot of ups and downs. Your team will rip your heart out. Um, and and how do you weigh that against what they're trying to accomplish across an entire season? Um, I just think there was a. Some sort of threshold was crossed with this Washington loss for me, where it was like, all right, man, now they have to prove something to us again, I think. Now this is a team that that I, I still believe in their ceiling, but they've got to show us that they're hungry for it, because I, I, don't, I don't trust them to just flip some sort of switch in April, but we've got a lot of time. Yeah, I'm with you. I think they've got to definitely establish some some good habits here over, over the rest of the season before the playoffs do kick in. When it comes to the defense, do you think that's something they can just get back if they recommit, they refocus, they just are really astute defensively? Because I almost feel like that's what it comes down to with this team defensively. At the beginning of the year, they were just so on point defensively, so committed on that end. Uh, They've let go of the rope here. I I think they can get it back pretty easily, though. Yes, yeah, I do think it's effort and focus. They can get it back, but then the then the operative question, man, is what happens to the offense? I, I do believe they can buckle down defensively, but will that cost them anything on the other end? Because for whatever reason, in that first half, it was the it was the grit and grind Grizzlies. Like that's how they were approaching games. That's how they were winning games. They weren't worried about getting the ball popping. They were worried about buckling down on the other end. Now it does kind of seem like the more the ball pops, the more that focus wanders. And, and mm-hmm. so I don't know, man. I, I do think I do think we can see them kind of shore it up, but at, at what expense, at what cost? Yeah, when it comes to the defense on Nish Smith in this game, I did not get the sense that Denver adjusted it all to him. Yes. It seemed like Ish Smith was doing the same thing in the first quarter that he did in the fourth quarter. And... um it's interesting because there were some interesting quotes that come out of that Rockets game. Uh, we're obviously not on the road, though, but to see those quotes filter out about how, you know, Michael Mullen was asking after the game, 
he was asked about why the Nuggets didn't double James Harden as much in the second half. Mm-hmm. And Malone said, that's a question you got to ask our players because we got tentative. We didn't follow the game plan. And so you don't really know if there were adjustments made and the Nuggets didn't follow the game plan or what really happened, you know, in this Wizards game, because I, I guess Denver hasn't followed their game plan before. So I'm not sure. Yeah, it didn't look like there was much of one at all. It was hard to get <laughs> yeah. a read on. I mean, at a certain yeah. point, I know you're worried about it blowing all the way to the rim, but how many times are you going to choose to go under on that screen? Because, like, he's going to hit the mid-range. Um, but I guess I guess they were choosing to live with that as opposed to those drives. But, yeah, not a lot of um, – this team doesn't adjust a lot. I know you pointed to that, that Gary Harris move in the playoffs, and that was huge and that was important. But wasn't that also quite obvious, right? I mean, Jamal just wasn't going to get it done. You had Gary sitting right there. I think Michael Malone does so much well. I think he's one of the best coaches in the league right now. I still think that. Um, But we haven't seen a a long track record of, like, really drastic in-game adjustments. Uh, And that's just something I've noticed. All right, before we go any further, got to tell you guys about some game-changing coffee. Strava Craft is the CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. Their reviews are incredible, so make sure you check them out. This CBD-infused coffee has taken away everything from long-term migraines to back pain and arthritis, IBS, self-decrease anxiety, you name it. CBD is all natural, not psychoactive. The coffee is rich and tasty, and we couldn't recommend it anymore to our listeners. As Strava says, drink deeply, live fully. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use the code DNVR20 at checkout, and you'll get it shipped straight to your door. All right, here on the DNVR Nuggets podcast, Harrison Wynn and Brennan Vogt presented by Illegal Pete's. Wrapping up this Nuggets loss in Washington, 128-114. Anything else stick out uh, to this one from you? I mean, just let's talk about Jamal Murray's offensive night because he really carried the load. He was great offensively. Uh, 39 points for him, 13-19 from the field, 3-7 from three. It's funny because... Murray was really hot at the beginning of the season, has been a little up and down since, but I mean, this was like a vintage Jamal Murray night, it seemed. Was it 20 points in the third quarter, I think? Um, And doing it, this kind of looked like the beginning of the season, man. Like, no one else was doing anything. And Jamal said, all right, well, I'll go for it. Uh, What I loved, seven attempts from three, 10 for 10 from the line. Jamal does not always get to the line, so that was the sign of an aggressor, a competitor, on a night where his teammates really just were kind of standing around and watching. What I'm about to say is not a knock on Jamal, um, but just worth noted, like noting, it's another it's another game in which Jamal plays really well, and that seems to have very little to do with the team's success or what the team is trying to accomplish offensively. Um, in this case, I think that's just because no one else was bringing it. No one else was playing, and, and he had a hot hand. So I didn't mind him approaching this game the way he did. Certainly not his fault that the offense wasn't working, but I just there's not always a, a like a correlation between his strong performances and the games where you go, wow, the offense looked great tonight. Yeah, here's what I think you're getting at, and I agree with what you said. Like Murray was the aggressor when not really many guys other than him were against the Wizards, but it seemed like it's been few and far between this season the times when both Murray and Nikola Jokic are just out of this world on offense yes hasn't it seemed like 
it's been either Murray one night or it's been Jokic one night. It's there haven't been a ton of games when both those guys are just really playing at their best on the offensive end. And that seems like a stark contrast from last year because because last year it was the Murray and Jokic show. It was the Murray Jokic pick and roll, the Murray Jokic two man game. Those guys really shined on most of the nights where the Nuggets offense was executing like it was. This year, I don't know, it's almost seemed like it's either Murray one night or Jokic yeah. next night. Nights when those two guys are really at the top of their game, it seems like we haven't had as many of those as we did last year. Definitely, definitely. And the, whatever the balance of is of, of how much Murray, how much Jokic, how much of that is coming off of each other, you loved what you had in the playoffs in Portland, right? It was, it was like almost a mind meld. The the perfect dosage of both. Right now, it's it's way out of whack. I still think a lot of it can be traced back to Jokic simply choosing not to show up for the first few weeks of the season. Yeah, and, probably a lot of it. <laughs> and I think be, because of that, the offense was like, all right, what do we do? Because this is Jokic's offense, or it should be, or it was. And so Murray, perhaps rightfully so, said, all right, well I. I guess it's my turn. You know, I'll take over. I'll score. Um, and I still, I think whatever that sort of introduction to the season was has kind of thrown that balance off kilter, if that makes sense. Yeah, uh, uh, definitely. We'll see if Nuggets can get that balance back. Um, some other notable nights that I think we should talk about here as we wrap up. Jeremy Grant just played 16 minutes in this game. Three or six from the field failed to register a rebound, Man. which I've got to think is driving Mike Mullen up a wall at this point in the season that Jeremy Grant has rebounded as poorly as he has. He was a minus 25 in 16 minutes. And then um, Porter coming off his career high in Indiana plays 12 minutes. I think just nine of those came in like real minutes. He got just a couple garbage time minutes at the end of this game. Three of five from the field, two rebounds, a block. Uh, he was a big minus as well as the bench unit really struggled. Seven points for Porter in this one. Jeremy Grant, man, it's we. Everyone had had some comments or jokes earlier in the season about well, you don't want him to be relocated to just a spot up shooter, but right now that's really all he's providing. And and whether that's his fault or just a a, a factor of like a result of how he's trying to fit into this offense. Um, the way they're using him, I don't know, but if he's not knocking down threes, we're seeing a lot of these nights, six, seven points on 15, 20, sometimes close to 30 minutes, um, and, and no rebounds. And, and that, that you're right. That's a, that's an issue, especially if you look at him as a power forward of the future alongside Jokic. I also, we've seen flashes of his athleticism. I have not seen a high impact team defender yet either. Um, and so I don't know. I'm I'm Grant. There's been there's been some concern for me with the way he's fitting into this team. Yeah, if you want Grant to play more around the rim, you can play him with Jokic, which the Nuggets have tried to do a lot. But with Plumley, yeah, he's really relegated to a guy who's kind of floating on the perimeter a lot. Where are you at with Grant in terms of all right? This summer we talked a lot about Grant when the Nuggets required him. Okay, this is the heir apparent to Paul Millsap at the power forward position a transition that could take place next season. Um, I don't think we, we saw that transition taking place this year, but probably next season. Where are you at on that? Because he hasn't been as good as I thought he would be. 
the fit hasn't been as good as I thought it would be. And um, I, I'm definitely less on the uh, Grant as the power forward of this team post Paul Millsap than I was when Denver signed him. Yeah, I'm with you, man. I think you know, Grant's a really talented basketball player, but um, a, a contained role player who I think his versatility, at least like the versatility you would assume is there because of those physical tools, we just haven't seen it. We haven't seen it with Denver. And so whether that's his fault or just the way he's fitting in, it's not working. And against, you know, next to a guy like Jokic, I think you do need another strong rebounder. You do need another strong defender. And and I don't, I mean, Jeremy Grant is, is not a super strong dude. He gets moved out of position pretty easily. Um, and he's not always in awesome, mm-hmm. in great position. So I don't know. I He, to me seems like a bench piece right now. He does not seem like a starter going forward, let alone a guy you're going to have to pay a little bit of money to do so. Yeah. Um, I think Denver still brings him back. Yeah. You know, really almost regardless of how this season goes. I know that's crazy to say, but like if Jeremy Grant keeps, uh, keeps playing on this current trajectory, I still think the Nuggets look to bring him back. Just because, like, they gave up a first round pick for him, that they know. clearly viewed this guy as a key piece going forward. I gotta think they still look to re-sign him, and I'm still holding out hope that he can eventually be, you know, the the starter at power forward. I don't think that ship has totally sailed. Um, him playing next to Jokic full time could look a lot different. Uh, just then, you know, his year has looked so far. So I still, I'm still holding out some hope that that will be the outcome, and that still could be a good outcome. Jeremy Grant, as like a fifth option on a starting unit, I think that works even you know for an offense like the Nuggets, which is totally different than the your turn, my turn, Oklahoma City Thunder, that he was you know, a fifth option for in the starting lineup. So I still think that could be an outcome long-term, but um, yeah, I've been a little underwhelmed here uh, with his play so far. I also thought Paul Millsap, man, and has really struggled since the quad news came out. Um, and, and I don't, that's probably to be expected right at at his age dealing with an injury, but Millsap was off to an incredible start to the season. Both he and Barton, uh, both guys have come back to earth a little bit of late. And I think that's really affected the team as well. Yeah, no, I'd agree. Yeah. Paul Millsap has not looked like he did at the beginning of the year. All right. Anything else that, uh, you've got before we get out of here, a tough one in Atlanta, sneaky, tough game, Denver, has not played well historically in Atlanta, and we know what Trey Young did to the Nuggets uh, the last time these two teams matched up. So should be an interesting game. I'm actually excited to watch and see how Denver comes out. Yeah, I'm curious to see what that game plan is, if there's a clear sense of one that we can get just from watching at home, and, and how strictly Denver sticks to that. Because as you mentioned earlier in the show, that that might be something to keep an eye on. Um we they struggle with speedy guards. Well, Trey Young, <laughs> Steve Nash, Steph Curry hybrid from hell. Let's see how it goes. Definitely, yeah, should be an interesting one. Uh, hey guys, if you're looking for some content to read on this game, post the story Monday morning on Trey Young and Michael Porter Jr. A relationship that goes back to uh, their high school days. Those guys played on the same AAU team. Uh, they're really close, so. Know, spoke with each of them for the story, along with Porter's AAU coach, who had some you know insightful details on just kind of what those two guys were like a team as teammates, 
the relationship they had and kind of their huge summer of 2016. These guys won the Peach Jam Championship, which is the most prestigious high school tournament in the country um, as teammates. And then they also won gold at the FIBA Americas Tournament. Uh, U18 in Chile a couple weeks later. So it's kind of a nice little walk down memory lane uh, from Porter and Trey Young. Check that out on the DNVR.com. And look, I think that's all we got for today's show. Enjoy the game, guys. We'll be back with another episode tomorrow. Hey guys, before we get out of here, Total Beverage is giving the DNVR fam 30% off your purchase of $25 or more with a max discount applying up to $75. Use discount code DNVR2019 online or on the Total Beverage app. As you may or may not know, Total Beverage delivers to most of the metro area from Lakewood to Boulder and from Aurora to Brighton, and they have the lowest prices in the state. Plus, they now offer CBD products. That's right, from drinks to gummies, you can enjoy CBD products on your next visit. Don't let this offer pass you by. Order today and receive 30% off your purchase of $25 or more with a max discount applying up to $75. Better yet, don't leave the comfort of your home and get it delivered.